0: study called draw the circle and it's about praying and it's about prayer and it's 40 days today I read number 12 and I think we're really on number 11 but hey it's okay to be ahead Um, it's it's called draw the circle and it's off of a book about um circle maker yes that's the right one circle maker and it's a a Jewish story. You don't find it in the Bible. It's a Jewish story about there was a famine and a man drew a circle and got on his knees in the circle and said, I'm not getting out of this circle God till you bring rain. And he started praying for rain. And it ended the famine. That's just the short version of that story. It ended the famine. And and so this study is to it's called Draw the Circle, but it's about how to pray um more effectively, how to why we should pray. And each day, it's only each chapter is like three and a half pages long. It doesn't take very long, but he talks about prayer. And and this last week there was there was one that he talked about. It was I can't give you the reference. But I think you can remember this. Or if you can't, I'll remind you. Uh, Jesus told a parable about a, a lady who wanted justice. And she would bang on the judge's door and call for justice. And he would ignore her and she would keep after him. She didn't just go to the court. She went to his house and kept after him and kept banging and banging. And finally said, I will give it to her, not because I like her, because I am sick and tired of this. And... And the point that he was drawing is, because it re, it's repeated in Scripture and over and over, it's called, Crazy Miracles are Offspring of Crazy Faith. Normal begets normal, crazy begets crazy. If you want to see God do crazy miracles, sometime you, you need to pray crazy prayers. That's what it is. Normal begets Normal. If you want to see God do crazy miracles, you've got to have crazy prayers. And the point he was making is you've got to keep after. You can't just politely say, okay, God, could you do this and forget about it? Sometimes you have to keep after God. Not because he doesn't want to do it, but because he needs to know that we're serious about it. Are you serious about it or are you just kind of talking about it. So that's what the board's going through. And good news for you, we will be, um, have already, there's a couple um, small groups that have talked to me about doing this Bible study. And it's a 40-day study. And so we will be, there will be groups of it going through when fall gets here, which is, school starts tomorrow, doesn't it? So we'll be um, going through that. But as you know, the board came up with three goals. And in a converse, in conversations I have had, we're still not sure if these are where God's leading us. You know the goals to reach um, the younger generation, the one that follows us, the the parents of teenagers, the parents of little kids, the ones that aren't parents yet, that generation, our goal is to reach them. That's one of them that the board has set, which is kind of crazy, by the way. But we've also um, remodeling the sanctuary, which, it, you know, we haven't started anything. We're praying. And also to build, a—I call it a gym. You can call it a multi-purpose room, a community center, anything you want to call and we can say, well, why do we want to do that? The truth is, all these three things that we came up with are things that this church has come up with over the years before I even got here. I know that someplace there's plans to build on out there. And I know that we all want to reach the younger generation because if we don't, who will? I know all that, and, and all of it becomes very uncomfortable for us. And we're not jumping into anything, but I'm keeping it in front of you because two things. If, if I don't keep it in front of us, we forget about it, and it just goes away, and it was a good idea. And the other reason is if I don't keep it in front of us, we will stop praying, and then we won't know for sure if it's really God's will or not. We have to follow, and, and I know that in the middle of these, as, as we start and we work on them, things are going to change. We may change the way we approach these things or the pattern that we do them, or we may not do them at all, but we have to keep praying. Going and following God, because if we're not following God, we're just a club. If we're not following God and do what he asks, we end up just doing stuff. And when the youngest of us passes away, we're all done. And so we don't want that to happen. So. My sermon, and I started it last well two weeks ago, and I'm carrying on, is building community because one of the things we have to do is have good community. That's us together. And I told you last week there's six foundations of that community. So let's talk about foundations for a minute, if we can. Totem poles. Do you know that totem poles tell a story? They're not for worshiping. They tell a story. Do you know what I learned about totem poles? And I'd heard this. Um, It takes more than one person to carve that, by the way. But the bottom part, let's see if I can do this. This part down here, the most skilled artist carves that one. Why does the most skilled artist carve that one? Because that one's the main character in the story that they're trying to tell. And so the least skilled carves the top one up here. And I, you know the old saying, I'm at the, I'm the bottom of the totem pole, and that's always like being at the bottom of the ladder. But a totem pole is the exact opposite of a ladder. The most important one is the bottom one for two reasons. It's the main character, and the second one is it's closest to us, so we see it. And so totem poles are a sign of honor when you're on the bottom. A totem pole when you're on the top is a sign of shame, and it becomes a shame pole for that person in that story. And so to have a good totem pole, you have to have a good base. To have a good um, church, we have to have a good base. To have a a good anything, we have to have a good base. In basketball, in sports, in construction, in in everything. Remember, I don't know if you remember this. I thought it was so funny. In Japan, and I'm sorry, I think it's funny, but I did. In Japan, about 20 years ago, they had these earthquake-proof raised trains the the their bullet trains were raised and they were earthquake proof and the first earthquake that happened they all fell over do you know why it had one little tower th- in the ground was like only about this big around and then it went up 20 feet and had this giant train on top of it it had no base and it was supposed to be earthquake proof and it went down well we don't want to have that we want to have a good base in our church. So today, the base, the, the one of the six areas that we're talking about is Christ. And who is Christ? And so let's start with this little video. Uh-oh, it's not there. That's next, isn't it? Just a second. Jeremiah 39 says, Instead they will serve the Lord their God and David their king, whom I will rise up for them. That's Christ. And, and so who is this Christ that we follow? Now we have it. True. Who is this Christ? Is he the one that died on, our cro- on the cross for our sins and we leave it at that and we keep going back and putting him back on the cross? or is he or is he the living savior so today i want to talk about that you know christ wasn't his name jesus was his name christ was his title in the old testament the the word for christ was messiah the anointed one savior and it was a title given to jesus and so i want to for us to learn a little bit and for us to talk a little bit about who Jesus is as Christ. Okay? When when I was in grade school, they had a, a, a free-throw shooting contest. Every school in the area had it. It went clear through high school, but by the time I reached high school, they didn't do it anymore. And so to... The first round was you had to hit two out of five, which isn't too hard, supposedly. And if you hit two out of five, then you got to shoot 25. And however many you got out of 25, if you got a certain number of them, you could go to Lewiston and compete against other kids your age that did the same thing. Now, to be considered average in In free throw shooting, you're supposed to hit 60%. That's uh, 6 out of 10. There are some professionals that don't hit that good. And there, there are some that hit way more than that, like 90%. They hit 9 out of 10. And I went to a basketball camp where they said, you should be able to walk up to the line, close your eyes, do whatever you're supposed to do, and make the basket without looking. It's called consistent. You're supposed to, and to get good at free throws, you, you do the same thing each time. So my thing was, it didn't always work because I was only shooting like 60%. My thing was, I would find it, it, on the free throw line, there's a hole in the floor where they put the, the nail in and use the string to make the circle around. It's there. That's the dead center of, of the free throw line, which is the dead center of the basket. So I'd find that and get centered on it. I'd bounce the ball three times, then I would shoot. Oh I I breathe out, and then I would shoot. And if I got lucky, I'd make it. But I was consistent in that. And and even now if I go to the free throw line, I do the same thing and I still miss. It's just how it goes. But but consistent. The Holy Spirit is consistent. There we go. Oh, I got behind myself. Sorry I'm not keeping up with the slides for you. But the Holy Spirit is consistent. Hebrews 13.8. If you don't have this one underlined, I, I know you know it because we've sung it in songs, but at least to underline it, Hebrews 13.8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's consistent. He doesn't change in the middle of the stream. He doesn't change His love. He doesn't change anything. He's consistent. Always. Just like you're supposed to be in shooting free throws. But he's better than that. He doesn't fail. The second thing that he is, is he's our Savior. 2 Chronicles 5.21 Yes, thank you. I can only read part of the time. 2 Corinthians 5.21 For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. About 20 years ago, there was a well-known sports announcer whose brother needed a kidney transplant. So he took the test. He matched his brother. And they set the date for the surgery. They both went into surgery They took the kidney out of the the sportscaster, put it in his brother. The sportscaster died on the table. His brother lived. He was the Savior of his brother. Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could live. He's the Savior of us. That's why he has the title Christ savior and we need to remember that we need to remember that he saved us he didn't just show us how to live for God and didn't just show us who God was he saved us he did not need to die for our sins because he was sinless but he did so that we can have a relationship with God. He's also the comforter. 2 Corinthians one five. For the more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with His comfort through Christ. There's a lot behind that, you know. Jesus talks about in, in the Gospels, he, he talked about suffering for him and su- and just plain suffering because of what we've done. And well, when we lived in Oak Ridge, Lynn and I went out to dinner at a little restaurant there, and we're sitting in the booth, and behind Lynn were two men struggling to stand up they both had canes one was on oxygen they both had glasses the one on oxygen finally got stood up and he walked about like this as he was going to the restroom the other one as he's struggling to get up looks at me and grins and he goes we sure are in bad shape but we had a great time getting here (laughs) And and i'm going well there's probably the right attitude we suffer for choices that we made. And like that guy said, they'd made some choices that made them the way they are physically. But this is talking about suffering because of Jesus. And Jesus said, we will suffer. He promised that. One of the, the, Thirteen truths of Christianity is suffering. That's one of them. Jesus said, "You," and not just physically, he's talking about suffering because of Jesus. Jesus said, They'll, the world will hate you because it hated me first. Sometimes the world just hates us because of who we are or the things that we've done. But sometimes it hates us because we follow Christ. And when that happens, God will shower us with his comfort through Christ. Think about the the story of Paul and Silas after being beat. They're singing praises to God and their chains fell off and the cell opens they didn't run off. The, the warden took them to his house and cleaned them up and then took them back to jail. Or about Peter. When he was put in prison and the angel, people were praying and the angels came and walked him out of jail without them even knowing that he'd walked out of jail. That doesn't always happen. There are times in the middle of suffering. We end up in death, but he's there with us. Back in the 1500s in England, they were burning Christians at the stake because they didn't follow the state religion. And two men were in prison together. One of them was going to be burned at the stake, the other one was because he was a criminal. The one burned at the, at the stake was talking to the criminal about Jesus. And, and the criminal said, does it hurt when you are burned at the stake? And obviously he didn't know I haven't been there. But, but he said to the, the criminal, tomorrow when they burn me at the stake, if it doesn't hurt, I'll raise my hands. And the criminal's watching out the, the cell and he sees them start to the fire, and when they thought the man was dead, he raised his hands like this: "The more we suffer for Christ, the more God will shower us with his comfort through Christ." He's the comforter. He's also new clothes. And that's Galatians 3:27. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Paul also said, you die to your old self. You die to the world and you raise again in Christ. A new person. He's our new clothes. He doesn't just save us and doesn't just comfort us. And he isn't just consistent. He's the new us. Or we're, the, we're a reflection of Him. And He's also the promise kept. 2 Corinthians one twenty, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ Jesus with a resounding yes. And through Christ... Our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for His glory. Did you get that? For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. What are God's promises? There's a lot of them. From... He saw everything and said it was good in Genesis to Ezekiel 33:11, um, where he said, I'd rather that the wicked would return, would turn and repent than be destroyed to the promise of I'm slow to anger. And quick to forgive to the promise of for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. To the promise on the cross where Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. To the promise of, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. To the promise of, I am going away, but I will send to you a comforter who will guide your steps. To the promise in Philippians where he said that the Holy Spirit works in us to desire to do his will. And gives us the strength to do as well. To the promise of, I will never leave you or forsake you. All those promises are a resounding yes. And through Christ, our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Isn't that good? And we sometimes forget that. And and I think the reason that I forget that at times is because it's not the way I think it should be. It's not the way I want it to be. And, And, you know, the more we pray to God, the more we start honing in on his desires, and those become our prayers You know, the scripture where it says that um, God will fulfill the desires of our hearts. And we think that at times that means that we'll get rich or that we will um, get a new job or that things will go smoothly or that we'll be healed physically. But that doesn't always happen, does it? It doesn't always happen that way. And at times we get upset about it. And I, if you've been reading in Jeremiah, God points out a couple of times why things are happening the way they have. He said, "Because you chose this." Now I know we don't always choose the things that that happen to us, but what we choose is how we deal with the things that happen to us, and, and that's why. In the Bible it says, you know, be joyful always in all circumstances. It doesn't mean we're happy about what's happening to us. It means that we're choosing to allow God to work. We're, we're choosing our attitude in the middle of that. So the next thing about Christ is he is controller of our lives. Second Corinthians 5.14 Either way, Christ, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. So the, the song used to be, you're going to have to serve somebody, whether it's God or Satan. Satan. Whether it's drugs or God, you have to serve somebody. And when we have died to our old selves and put on Christ the new, new clothes, he controls us and he's controller of our lives. And as we grow in him and, and grow closer to him and as we follow in his footsteps, he takes us places we never thought we would be. And he puts people in our lives that we never thought would be there. And even though things don't happen the way we would like them to happen, he's still in control. It's like Joseph told his brothers. You planned this for evil. This was years after they had sold him into slavery. Now, there was a time I would have sold my brother if I had the chance. But then I found Jesus. But... I never did that to my brother and I find it hard to believe but they did that. Fortunately, he had one brother that stood up and said, "No, let's not kill him." And he ended up being sold and taken to Egypt and sold again. And and he worked his way up in in the the warden's household. Then he got lied about and thrown into prison. Again, and then he got out years later and became the second most powerful man in all of Egypt. And his brother, the famine happened. His brothers came down. They didn't know who he was. And when he revealed who he was, they were a little scared. And he said, you intended this for evil. He called him right on the carpet. You intended this for evil. But God's using it for good because he did save all of Joseph's brothers dad and their families and so he's in control even if it doesn't happen the way we want it to happen and here's our one of our responsibilities we are his ambassadors 2 Corinthians 5:20 So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ whenever we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. You know what an ambassador is: represents either a nation or a person or a company. We're ambassadors. And we're here in this world representing God. And He's making His appeal through us. So that we say, come back to God. That's our responsibility, to live in such a way that that people will want to come back to God. And we call to people, come back to God. That's our responsibility. So back to the Holy Spirit. Back to Christ. Back to Jesus. He's a unifier. Look at the obvious facts. This is Paul talking. Those who say they belong to Christ must recognize that we belong to Christ as much as they do. We all belong to Christ. And it's obvious. We don't get to decide who belongs to Christ and who doesn't belong to Christ. The good news is we can leave that in God's hands. Jesus one day had His disciples come to Him. Those people over there are casting out demons in Your name, but they're not one of us. Shall we go make them stop? What was Jesus' answer? No. They're doing that in My name. And even though they weren't one of the disciples, they were one in Christ. And so... You know, as long as people are following Christ leading and he's in control of their lives and he's their savior, we get to be united with them. We get to be united with them. And the other scripture of that is Ephesians 2, 6. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him on the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. We're united with Christ Jesus. And, a lot, and the last thing that he does is makes us who we need to be. I thought i changed change that, sorry. Makes us who we need to be. Colossians 2.11 When you come to Christ, you are circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of your sinful nature. He makes us who we need to be. That is pure in Him. We sometimes forget about that we will even make excuses for ourselves. I don't expect perfection of us. The only perfection that we have is that Jesus forgave us of our sins. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't strive to be the people God's called us to be. And so we have to strive to be the people that God's called us to be, but we also have to remember it's not us that does it, it's Christ that does it. I can be good for so long, then I can no longer be good. And you laugh because you know that's true of you too. You can be good for so long, then you can no longer be good. When we try to do it on our own, it becomes difficult. And so we have to let Christ do that in us. I've heard stories, this hasn't been me, of of people that were heavy in sin, whether it was drugs or anything else, and God, they've accepted Jesus Christ and they said instantly I was healed no longer was I addicted to drugs I've never touched them since then or and and not just that not just drugs but you know other things too that had control of them people have told that but then there's those of us that it just never works that easy it seems to become a battle that we are in our whole lives but when we remember that Christ is in control, he knows us. He knows that for some of us we need to be healed instantly, and for some of us we need to go through the process over and over and over again so that we are formed and made into what God wants us to be. And so for for some of us we can our testimony is he saved me instantly and people hear that and that's great. And for others it's We're still going through it and they need to hear that because they've been going through it and they're about ready to give up on Christ. They need to hear that. And so we get to share that with each other. We're not all the same. We're saved by the same Christ and it's through repentance which is changing your mind and going the other way and and acknowledging Christ that we're saved but... For each of us, the relationship's a little different because not everybody's like me, not everybody's like you. And so as we grow together in community, we start seeing that and and we are required to be faithful in obedience. This is a long scripture. Colossians 2, 6 through 15 says this. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him also you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of flesh By the circumcision of Christ having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through the faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you who are dead in your trespasses and legal demands. This he set aside nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him legal demands. This he set aside, nailed it to the cross. I've read that part already. got in there twice. Then there's Jeremiah 35, 18 and 19. Then Jeremiah said to the family of the Rechabites, This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. You have obeyed the command of your forefathers, Jeronadab, and have followed all his instructions and have done everything he ordered. Therefore, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Jeronadab, son of Rechab, will never fail to have a descendant to serve me. You get that? Because they were faithful, there will always be a descendant that is serving God. Not just a little bit, but always. And as we follow God and are led by, by Christ, and things start to get a little rough, we start wondering if that's really if we are really following Him. Dale Schaefer, who's the district superintendent of Northern Florida District, I think that's what it's called, he's got 150 churches, Nazarene churches under him. He used to be in Medford. He's an amazing guy. He said, um, reminded again today that new levels bring new devils. If you want to see your ministry go to the next level, expect and embrace facing opposition and oppression. Do you get that? As we follow Christ, there's going to be more battles against us. Do you know why that is? Because if we're not doing anything and we're not following Christ, life's pretty easy because Satan knows we're not going to do anything. But once we start following Christ, 11 of the 12 disciples in Acts died early. Only one lived to old age. All the others were pers- and they were all persecuted and killed. Peter and John, right off the bat, within the first few months of Jesus' resurrection, were beaten, told not to preach anymore. And as, as we as a church start growing together and continue to grow together and start praying for revival and continue to pray for revival and start praying to be a light to this community Opposition is going to happen. It just is. We have to know that. But we have to know that Christ is still in control. And when we're persecuted because of Christ, we're comforted through Christ. We have to know that. And remember that. So the first foundation of community is Christ. You now know what you're getting into. You now know why you're getting into it. And and I will gladly go over this again with you because it's called a battle. It's not a cruise. And when we're on Christ's side, the battle will kick up. Be okay with that. Be okay with that. Because... That means we need to pray more. That means God's doing His work. That means God's using us. And that means that maybe we need to let Him work on us a little more so that He can use us better. But be okay with that. That, that when we are built on Christ, it can get tough. But know this, when we're built on Christ, we can't get knocked over. You know the hymn, On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. And when we're standing on Christ, we're good. Because He is good. And He's our new clothes. Well, my question for you is I think I put it on there. Maybe I didn't. Is this the Christ you serve? One that I have mentioned? Is this the Christ you serve? Or are you serving a watered down version of this Christ? Is this the Christ you serve? And is this the Christ you want to serve? Think about that. Is this the Christ you want to serve? I don't know about you this is the Christ I want to serve and this is the Christ the church of the Nazarene as a whole has chosen to serve and this is the Christ that the Nazarene church in John Day is serving we need to be on with that because he loves us and died on the cross for our sins so let's stand together I'm going to pray for us, and I ask of you this. While I pray, you have a conversation with Jesus Christ. If this isn't the Christ you've been serving, the conversation to have is, God, please forgive me. Please help me to serve this Christ. And be willing to commit Whatever it is you need to commit so that you can follow this Christ and allow Him to be the, the new clothes that you put on, the one that sculpts you into what He wants, the one that leads you and comforts you and protects you and unites you. So you have that conversation with Him while I pray for us.